Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God's word for our consideration comes from Deuteronomy chapter 10, starting at verse 12 and going to verse 22. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them, and he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations as it is today. Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. He is the one you praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. Your ancestors who went down into Egypt were 70 in all. And now the Lord God, your God, has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. The word of the Lord. Allow me to take you back to your childhood. For the kids, you'll experience this if you haven't experienced it already. Do you remember when your parents told you to do something and you gave them a blank stare because you didn't want to do the thing that they asked? But then they asked you this question. What, do you want, what did I ask you to do? And then you sigh in stubbornness and disappointment and you repeat back what they said. Fine, I'll do the dishes. Fine, I'll clean my room. Okay, I guess I'll go mow the lawn. God, through Moses, in our opening verse for today, puts forth this question. He says, what does the Lord your God ask of you? When we hear that question, we know that there is some serious work that is coming our way. And we sigh and answer as if we do not want to do it. Ultimately, we are not the ones who answer this question. God 
answers this question. And it is an answer that we, in response to God's action, do willingly and joyfully by His Holy Spirit. We are to fear the Lord our God, who gives us an eternal word, who performs awesome deeds for us, and who has set his affection on us. In Deuteronomy, Moses was retelling the story of God's laws to a new generation of Israelites as the Israelites were about to enter into the promised land. And it was also Moses' last sermon before he would die. Shortly before our reading, he was telling them, retelling the story of the golden calf incident. The Israelites, along by the help of Aaron, were worshiping a golden calf. Think about that. The Israelites were worshiping a golden calf at the bottom of Mount Sinai when the mount was in smoke and God was in the presence there. And Moses was at the top of Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments. By retelling that story, Moses was reminding them of their stubborn ways. Moses was reminding them how quickly they wanted to go their own way. And so then after Moses gives them a harsh word of rebellion, he gives them God's eternal word. God gave the Israelites this command. It was to fear the Lord their God. Fearing the Lord their God was walking in their commandment, in his commandments. Fearing the Lord your God means realizing that God is Lord and we aren't. God is the one, he is the eternal God who gives us an eternal word. And we hold him in awe from what he says and what he does. The Israelites have two reasons. God gave the Israelites two reasons as to why that they are to fear the Lord. One, it is a command because the, he is the God of gods and everything belongs to him. It says in verse 14 and 17, to the Lord your God belongs the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. God is not a God who, who is just a random person whom we have to obey. God is overall and in all. God is mighty and awesome. And he is a God of power and precision. There's a second reason. It is for our own good. God didn't give us an eternal word so that it could benefit himself. No, he gave us an eternal word to benefit us, 
so that we might dwell with the holy God who gives us all things. It says in verse 13, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. On the surface, this command seems rather simple. It's one command that is very doable from day to day. The Israelites thought they were completing this, this command by, by doing their daily sacrifices and by building a golden calf and then by complaining to get their own way. But evidently their hearts were far from the Lord. Their actions were not in line with the Lord. Their oaths were abysmal. Their dedication was nowhere to be found. Eventually, God had to remind them of their stiff-necked ways. In verse, as he says in verse 16, he also pleads with God to circ- with them to circumcise their hearts, cut off sin, rebellion, and unbelief. God wanted them to change their ways, change their thoughts and their attitudes from their own way to God's way. It says in verse 16, circumcise your hearts therefore and do not be stiff-necked any longer. It begs the question, could we be as stubborn and as stiff-necked as the Israelites? As we look at our lives, do we follow the eternal word that God has given us? With shame, our fear of the Lord, it's not really fear at all. It's fear of whatever object is in front of us. We do not fear the Lord with the whole worship of our hearts and minds and soul. It's fear of this life. It's fear of our homework. It's fear of our social status. And it becomes fear of money. It becomes fear of cars and taxes. And the list goes on. And it becomes even worse because we too, like the Israelites, are stubborn. We do not walk in the ways that God commands. We like to be all about ourselves. We like to persist in our own ways rather than the ways of, God, of the Almighty. We do not love our neighbor. It's all about ourselves. We don't even think twice about our neighbor, but we do think twice about ourselves. And so because of our stubbornness toward God, our eternal word is not one of fear of the Lord, but it would be one of condemnation. And our lack of reverence for God makes him angry because he has given us an eternal word and we have not followed it. Yet the Lord does not stay angry. The Lord jumps into action with compassion. 
performing awesome deeds for us. Let's review a little history. Israel's history was not a happy one. They had been slaves in Egypt for centuries, beaten, battered, and killed. They had no power to save themselves, and yet God steps in to provide them with rescue. And he reminds them of that in verse 21. He says, he is the one you praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. What did they see? They saw an all-powerful God who was with them, who split the Red Sea, and who brought them from the land of slavery in Egypt to a land that they were about to enter, flowing with milk and honey, the promised land. There was another awesome deed that they did that day, that God did for them. It says in verse 22, your ancestors who went down into Egypt were 70 in all, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. Before the Israelites went down to Egypt, God gave Abraham a promise that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. That blessing didn't come into fruition until Moses would be made second in command in Egypt. God increased their number from 70 in all to the numbers to the stars in the night sky. He was fulfilling a promise that was to Abraham to make his descendants great. And all he did, he did this all by grace for the Israelites. Then, as he did awesome, performed awesome deeds for the Israelites, he also performs awesome deeds for you. As we were walking in our stubbornness, God didn't leave us to our sins and to what our sins deserve. He sent Jesus, and Jesus was the one who did everything in our place. Jesus lived a perfect life, and throughout his life, he feared the Lord God in everything that he did. He did it with no questions asked, walking in obedience to his heavenly Father. Early in his ministry, Jesus went into the wilderness with no questions asked. He was tempted, but he still feared the Lord and walked in all his ways to the will of his Father. And late in his ministry, Jesus showed the oneness with the Father, that he is one with the Father, and he reassured the disciples that the Holy Spirit would come down. He did all these things perfectly so that when it came time for his death, he defeated our stubbornness that we cling to.
He died on the cross. That death didn't look like an awesome deed. It really looked like a defeat. But look again in holy fear, brothers and sisters. His death and resurrection gives us the forgiveness of sins. It gives us a new hope, a new purpose, an ability to fear the Lord. God did this awesome deed for you. And by faith, by the gift of faith, we have seen it with our own eyes. The Lord has done this. And it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord's awesome deeds by the cross continues for us today. The one who cares for the fatherless, has, he himself has become your father. The one who cares for the widow, he has become your groom. And the one who cares and has concern for the foreigner has made us citizens in his kingdom. The Lord knows our every need for food and clothes. As he has taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And he does. God is not half-hearted in his saving deeds. He set his full affection on you. Israel knew this affection firsthand. God's affection was very real for the Israelites. They were in slavery, being slaves and not enjoying life. They were crying out to God for help. So God saw them. He knew them. He had compassion on them, and he rescued them from slavery. God also knew of our stubbornness toward him. God knew that we needed to rest, that he needed to rescue us from the bonds of hell in our own sinful ways. And he chose to do it through Jesus. He set his affection on us when he sent his son to you. Jesus rescued us from the torment of hell to save us from our sin. And even more amazing, he chose you before there ever was a you. It says in Romans 8, verse 29, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. You were on his mind before the beginning of time. God acted out of love so that you could be his. And you have a God who continues to set his affection on you as you journey through this life and as you enter into eternity. God set his affection on you, stating that you are his. And as he chose you, and as he chose the Israelites, he had you 
in mind for the salvation of souls. Remember that question at the beginning of our sermon? As kids, we heard that question, what did I ask you to do? Let us not respond in stubbornness to our Lord or pretend like we didn't hear it and go our own way. Instead, let God answer and encourage us from his word that we are to fear the Lord, our God, because it is he who has set his affection on us. It is he who has given us an eternal word. And it is he, still today, who performs awesome deeds for you. As, and it's with Joshua of old, that we can purely say with joy in our hearts, exclaiming, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen.